Welcome to Taxpayer Talk. I'm Ella Richardson, Research Officer at the New Zealand Taxpayers Union, and I'm joined by our economist, Joe Ascroft. This morning, Joe attended PREFU, the pre-election economic and fiscal update. Broadly speaking, Joe, how worried should New Zealanders be? Um, I think certainly for this year, New Zealanders can be a little bit less worried. Uh, early in May, when the government had its budget, things were looking very dicey for this year. Uh, unemployment is expected to climb quite up near 10%, uh, and, and the economy was really projected to have a really tough time this year. It's looking like, with the help of the government's wage subsidy program uh, and the economy bouncing back a little bit faster after the national lockdown and the more recent Auckland lockdown, this year's turning out to be okay. Clearly not stellar, clearly still pretty bad. Uh, a terrible time, obviously, in your, if you're in the tourism sector or the hospitality sector, but not horrendous. Looking out a little bit further, things aren't looking great. Uh, so unemployment is expected to peak at 7.9% in the March 2022 quarter. I think most people would be surprised by that, that unemployment's not expected to peak for another 18 months or so. You know, we could be well into having a vaccine, the economy supposedly recovering by then, uh, and for a lot of people, the labour market impacts would still be hitting pretty hard. Why uh, would that be, though? Uh, so Treasury have... Most of the reason Treasury have updated their forecasts coming out the next few years is that the global economy is expected to recover much more slowly than had been expected. So our major trading partners are are expected to grow a bit more slowly. Clearly, we're quite outwardly facing in terms of our tourism sector, our commodity sectors like dairy. Uh, so they will potentially have quite a rough time. So looking out the next three, four years, things could be pretty dicey. Uh, and and that's, having, that's having an impact on the books. So if we look out to 2024, which is at the end of Treasury's kind of main forecast period, we're expected to run a, a deficit much worse than had been expected in May. And that's flowing through to Treasury projecting out deficits out well into the 2030s, uh, which is a long way removed from where we were, or where we thought we were just at the start of the year. So what does that mean for government debt? Uh, government debt is expected to climb by 2034 to $269 uh, billion. On a per household basis, that's uh, around $140,000 per household. Um, clearly, uh, when we get well into the 2030s, as a proportion of the economy, debt will start to tail off a little bit because those deficits start to get a little bit smaller. Uh, but certainly, it looks like there's no obvious pathway out of deficits for well over a decade. And what are the implications of that on everyday New Zealanders? Um I mean, I think you're starting to see it come across in policy announcements. I think had we been in normal times, there's no way Grant Robertson would have proposed a tax increase to the public at this election because, I mean, yes, the tax is only being applied on people who earn over $180,000 a year, but certainly National can play that up as this is Labour coming into tax, absolutely everything in the economy. So there's some level of political risk there. And I think what that indicates is that Labor is quite worried about the deficit and realise that some revenue needs to be raised. They clearly don't want to cut spending. Grant Robertson was quite insistent on that today uh, at the pre-food lockup, saying he didn't want to run uh, austerity-style cuts. So 
what we can probably expect, at least for the next few years um, under a Labor government, is there will be attempts to raise revenue to try and eliminate that deficit. That might look like high tax on income. It might look like something like a vacant land tax that's been proposed at various times, um, or, or a range of lifestyle taxes. There may be more petrol taxes on the horizon. Who knows? Maybe there's a sugar tax on the horizon. They'll be looking for all the opportunities they can to raise revenue. I'm interested to hear more about what Grant Robertson said. Did he frame this as a success, these finances as a success? He acknowledged there were clearly difficulties on the future. I don't. He, he had to do that. Uh, it was apparent from the books that things were not rosy looking out. He tried to defend it by saying, look, we're actually in a significantly better spot than, say, Australia. Or if you look at unemployment numbers, we're in a much better spot than the United States and Canada and these other countries. So... He, he got on the defensive about it. He tried to argue we're actually in a relatively good spot. But, I mean, it, certainly the impact on debt was apparent. We've seen some reporting of PREFU already. RNZ ran the headline, The economy is in better shape than expected. Would you say that's accurate? Uh, it, it is currently in a better state than had been expected. Uh, so if you're a worker out right now on a construction site or whatever, you'd be feeling more confident now that you would have a job next week than you might have been feeling in May. Um, I wouldn't say that the numbers we saw today indicated we'd have a much stronger economy looking out the next three, four years. So if you're looking at um, what you want to do with the next three, four years of your life, your career, your opportunities, whether you want to move abroad or stay in New Zealand, I think New Zealanders will be looking at and feeling a little bit more dire about things at home. And that would explain some of the other headlines we're seeing, like Rivers of Red on stuff.co.nz and Profound Uncertainty, Bleaker Future Ahead. Are they are they too disheartening? Uh, honestly, no. Uh, I, I think one of the... E economic growth is going to run quite a lot weaker than we had been expecting. So... In May, at the budget forecast, we were expecting this big bounce back, that next year, once everything starts coming back online, we would start running very high rates of economic growth. And, and what we saw in the numbers today is that next year and the year after, we're going to be running what were quite normal rates of economic growth prior to the crisis. You tend not to see that after a recession. Ideally, after a recession, you should be running growth rates well above what's normal as you begin to kind of catch up to where things were before. So it's kind of, I suppose, depressing to see that we're just going to be running these same kinds of pre-crisis anemic growth rates following, I mean, one of the most severe recessions, certainly of our lifetimes. I'd like to talk about why that is, because in fairness to the government, COVID-19 has prompted a worldwide economic downturn, as you touched on. On balance, has New Zealand actually responded as well as it could have, and limited our recession as much as could reasonably be expected? I think it's important to break our response to the COVID pandemic into two phases. What happened this year, kind of during the lockdowns, while businesses were closed for public health reasons, what have you, and then looking out after that, we're kind of hoping to see a vaccine sometime next year. What are our policy settings in the stage of recovery? My view is, is that the policy settings while we were in lockdown and the economy was tanking, frankly, were entirely appropriate. We did need to spend and borrow a lot of money to ensure um, the economy stayed online. T to be blunt, had we not engaged in the wage subsidy scheme, 
there would have been tens of thousands of business closures, the labour market would have completely fallen apart and, and life would have been terrible for a very large number of New Zealanders. Um, people would have begun to engage in uh, their own... Lo- it would have just been terrible. So the government did the right thing there. I think looking out beyond that, the approach of the high-tax, high-spend um, policy settings which they took to this year are probably less appropriate. So it probably made sense to increase baseline beneficiary rates, for example, for this year in order to inject more money into the economy. Does it make sense to have that change be permanent, looking out further when we have a huge number of people uh, on, on, on benefits and trying to get them back into work? Probably less so. Um, I was somewhat alarmed to see yesterday Phil Twyford saying he wanted to kick on with light rail um, in the next term. I, I think this kind of idea of we're going to have higher taxes and use it to fund these grand government projects um, could really be bad news for growth. I mean, if you look at something like KiwiBuild, that never got off the ground. I don't have a lot of confidence they can get other big projects off the ground. I think personally you'd be better off to try and cut some of the waste. In the short term, though, these big projects aren't really being funded through our present taxes. They're being funded through debt. And some people would say that's sensible because we can pay it off in the long term. What are the harms of getting into debt in order to push the economy along? So I'd say a couple of things on that. The first thing to say is that, yeah, obviously it is prudent to borrow money in bad economic times with the view that you pay it back later to spend on essential infrastructure. I think essential is the instructive term there. We have to be very careful about the quality and nature of that infrastructure spend, ensuring it's being spent on um, the right things to achieve the right goals, target at the right problems. That's the first thing. On debt itself, I think Eric Crampton New Zealand Initiative was actually quite good on this a few months ago when he pointed to the fact that it's not just that debt is a problem and that we have to pay interest on the debt and that puts pressure on the rest of our government books and we have to allocate tax money to paying it back or whatever. It's the fact that it gives us fewer options in the future. We were so lucky this year um, to tackle the COVID pandemic because we had some of the lowest public debt in the world. It basically meant we could go to markets and borrow more or less as much as we wanted, a little bit of support from the Reserve Bank, and be fine. I would be more concerned looking out to the 2030s if we had, um, I don't know, if the central fault line um fell through and there was a big earthquake in Wellington or something like that, or there was a different pandemic, or there was a financial crisis, or there was a large blow up in the Chinese economy, we'd be looking in the 2030s and saying, hey, with government debt sitting around 50% of GDP, can we double down again and borrow even more? And I think that's when the New Zealand economy would start to become under more stress. So we're in such a good spot right now because public debt had been so prudently low beforehand. Clearly, there's a regime shift there. Ideally, we want to give ourselves the same optionality in future by returning that debt to be a bit lower. What kind of fiscal or monetary responses would you suggest? Um, So on the monetary policy side of things, I'll try not to nerd out here too much. There's been a lot of discussion in the media around the impact on housing markets and what have you. I actually think the Reserve Bank has acted entirely appropriately this year. Um, The economy did need significant uh, accommodative support. So I'm not the world's largest fan of Adrian Orr, um, to say the least, but I I think him and the bank acted entirely appropriately this year and added a huge amount of uh, monetary support, and they should continue to do so. Um, On the fiscal side of things, 
the, the government is right to be borrowing money right now. I'd say two things. The first thing is I think they need to be more careful on where that money is being spent. I think some of the programs that they're enacting are just clearly a waste of time and a waste of money. Fees-free could be canned, for example. I, I don't see it having any impact on behavior or any useful outcome apart from, you know, I just think it's ridiculous. They could get rid of that. Um, they could get rid of light rail and put it into um, into some more efficient projects. The other thing I've been thinking about recently as well is whether it might be prudent to engage in some more public-private partnerships right now. The benefit of public-private partnerships is that you can deliver infrastructure and put public assets online without having to commit to a large upfront uh, lump sum of capital and then you're then responsible for paying a certain amount each year and that would have an impact on the operational expenses side of the government but certainly it would allow us to solve some of our infrastructure um, deficiencies right now without loading up on too much debt. Should the government be looking at any tax cuts? Uh, um, I mean ideally I, I Ideally, you would begin to cut away some of the, what, what I like to dub the Joycean Empire, which is the corporate welfare arms that operate largely in Wellington, which dole out um, R&D credits and it, it, organisations like Callaghan Innovation. I think you could just eliminate all of those. My preference would be to just eliminate all of that corporate welfare and just pass it on in the form of direct tax cuts. I think that's more efficient. Um, whether you could just fund tax cuts out of hand without corresponding uh, cuts to spending, I think is an entirely different matter. I, there probably just isn't room. We're borrowing too much as it is. To look at this from a political perspective, will National be celebrating today? Um, I must admit, when I was in the lockup today, I did think that Grant Robertson managed to achieve in three what Michael Cullen took nine years to do, which was to give National Party the decade of deficits headline, which I think is about as good as it can get when you're the National Party trying to fight this year's election on a more credible economic message. Um, and, and that's where Grant started to talk in the lockup today a little bit about how he didn't want to run on austerity economics. He didn't think we should have cuts to education and healthcare and what have you. And and that's admirable in a sense, but it does give Judith Collins a great attack line at the election this year to say, hey, hold on, Labor's been left to handle the COVID recovery. That's good for this year, maybe next year, but we're talking about 15 years uh, in a row minimum of deficits. How is that in any way reasonable? I think that's a great attack line for the National Party. Any final comments, Joe? No. Brilliant. Thank you so much. Cheers.